the city of New York. We'd never been to this church. We'd heard much about the ministry here. And so we were excited when all the rest of the things that we had done were over. Our last trip was to the state. We've had a wonderful time this week, and we look forward to the week that we still have left here to be able to go over to Brother Newberger there in Greenpoint next Sunday and another work as well. So we look forward to it. Thank you for inviting us. Thank you, Brother Montaro, for uh, just the generosity and the way you've accommodated my wife and I. We so much have been blessed. You know, uh, this message I'm going to preach this morning, I'm making no apologies for it. I'm simply telling you I believe this is what God wanted me to preach. And it's a subject that most preachers would not rather preach on. In fact, they veer away from it because of its content and its subject. But I really believe that it, it, it involves the very purpose of why we carry the gospel to a lost and dying world. Now, I don't know who's a member here. I don't know who's a visitor or whatever or what you believe. I just believe the Bible. And I believe that, that when a man dies, if he's not saved, according to the Bible, that man will go to hell. Some people say, oh, I don't even believe in a hell. You can't say that if you believe the Bible. Because the Bible speaks on this subject. And so when we think about a person losing their life, we're all going to die. The Bible says, appointed on a man once to die, and after this the judgment. And so, unless the rapture comes and takes us out, which I'm praying for, I'd rather go in the rapture and miss death altogether, uh, physical death. But if not, it doesn't matter. I'm still going to go in the rapture. I'll be one of the first to come up out of the ground and meet the others that are still alive and we'll be caught together and be with the Lord in the air. So, I'm still going to be in the part of the rapture. But, uh, whether uh, we live or we die, we're all going to die eventually. And we're all going to be, we're going to go to the grave. And uh, whether we're saved or we're lost, the Bible only says there's two places that you can go after this life. And Bible is the only credible, reliable source on the planet to know what happens to a person after they die. Now, I know that there's men that have come up with their own philosophies and ideas. There's some that believe that when you die, you go into limbo. That's not in the Bible. Some believe that when you die, you come back as something else. They believe in reincarnation. That's not in the Bible. Some believe that when you die, you die like a dog in the street. That's the end of life. You live now. When you die, life's completely over. That's not in the Bible. The only credible and reliable source that we have that God's given to us comes right from the Bible. And He placed it here under the inspiration of the Scriptures so that every man, woman, and child would know exactly where it happens to a person when they die. And the reason that we support missions because there is a literal place called hell where people will go, departed souls will go, if they don't know Jesus Christ as their Savior. So you can sit around and deny it and say, I don't believe in it, or I don't believe that stuff, or I believe God's a loving God, or whatever. But when it all comes down to it, if you die without Christ, you'll then become a believer because you'll find yourself in that very place that you said you didn't believe existed. But it does. So we're going to look at a passage of Scripture that God placed in the Bible. And I want you to take it and turn with me, if you would, to a very familiar text, Luke chapter number 16. And I want us to notice some things out of this passage of Scripture 
that I think will help fortify and give validity to the idea that we need to be supporting missions. We need to be supporting missions because as Christians, we use a lot of language and a lot of things that we just take for granted. And I want to bring the Christian this morning at least back to the reality, hey, there is a hell. And I need to help somebody escape hell through salvation. So if you're able to stand out of the respect and reading of the Word of God, I'm going to ask you to stand with me. And we'll begin reading in verse number 19. It says, There was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus which was laid at his gate full of sores and desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs come, came and licked his sores. And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And in hell he lift up his eyes, being in torments, and seeth Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. And he, the rich man, cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. And send Lazarus, that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I'm tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receivest the good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things, but now he is comforted, and thou art tormented. And beside all of this, Between us and you, there's a great gulf that's fixed, so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that would come from hence. Then he said, I pray thee, therefore, Father, that thou wouldest send him to my father's house, for I have five brethren, that he may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. Abraham said unto him, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And he said, Nay, Father Abraham, but if one went unto them from the dead, they will repent. And he said unto him, If they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. Boy, that is an incredible passage of Scripture. Because it gives us a window into actually the life of two men that literally lived upon this earth and died, one went to Abraham's bosom and the other went into the place of torment or hell and was there crying for mercy and got no mercy. I'm going to explain some things about this passage here in a moment, but let's pray one more time and then we'll let you be seated. Father, thank you for the, 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 the text this morning. I know we don't like to think about death. We don't like to think about hell. We want to always think about the positive things. We always want to be encouraged. We always want to be comforted. We always want to be uplifted. We kind of, by our nature, want to put aside things that we don't like to think about. But Lord, it's a part of the whole counsel of God. It's a part of the whole Bible. And we can't skirt around the fact that hell is mentioned in the Bible. We need to inform people of it so that They can get the gospel and they can, by receiving the gospel by faith, can escape this horrible place. 
And so we pray that you'll use the message this morning to not just educate us a little bit, but to remind us of our need of helping others to receive Jesus Christ as their Savior. And we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Before I get into the passage this morning, and I hope you'll give me your attention, I want to make it very clear about something that this passage that we just read has is not a parable. It's not a parable. Parable, the word parable comes from the word to see. Jesus used many parables. In fact, he used more parables in the Gospel of Luke than he did anywhere else, but he doesn't indicate that this is a parable. And so the word parable means to see. So when he would use a parable, which was just a, a basically an earthly story to get across and help us to see a spiritual truth, he didn't use a parable here of the rich man and Lazarus. He used a literal two people's lives to indicate to us what happens to people when they die. And the reason we know it's not a parable is because he uses in this particular uh, story, this, uh, this record here, he uses the common names of individuals that actually lived upon the earth. There's three of them that are basically mentioned that we know were real people that lived here. One is Lazarus. Lazarus. And the other is Moses that he mentions here. Was Moses a real man? Sure he was. Another one was Abraham. He mentions him. Was Abraham the leader of the Hebrew nation? Yes, he was. So he does, in, in, in parables, and you'll not find one of them, but in all, in all his parables, he never uses a common name when it's a parable. It's just a fictional story. But when he uses common names, he's using a real-life story of two people that actually lived. So when we look at Luke chapter number 16 and verse number 19 down through verse number 31, God has given us the lives of two people that lived in the days of Christ. A, 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 a beggar, a beggar who actually must have at one point or time placed his faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was walking around the earth at that time after his birth and doing his public ministry. And sometime in his life he received Christ by faith, knew he was the Messiah, even though that he was a beggar and begged at his gate. But the rich man who also probably had opportunities, and I personally believe probably even might have been testified and witnessed by this beggar at times, never received Christ as his Savior. Well, the Bible says that eventually the beggar died and he was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. And when the rich man died, he wasn't carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. Isn't it interesting He's gone and woken up in another place. He's in hell looking up. And the Bible says he's in torments. He's in torments. Now, it's interesting because when you study this uh, out about this particular time frame, Jesus had not yet died upon the cross of Calvary. When, when Lazarus and the rich man died, we're in here in the gospel story, so Jesus is still upon the earth. So we're on, we're on the Old Testament side of Calvary, okay? We know according to the Bible that anybody that was, that died on the Old Testament side of the Bible, their body went to the grave and their soul either went into hell or Abraham's bosom, okay? Heaven as we know it today was not yet opened up yet. 
And we're told that in the book of Hebrews, Jesus had not yet come and sprinkled the mercy seat. He had not yet come and shed his blood. So people in the Old Testament, if they died with Christ, why they, their body went to the grave just like the lost man's body went to the grave. And their souls went into Abraham's bosom if they were saved, or the soul went into a place of torment. And so the Bible teaches that in the bowels of the earth, and you can read about this, in the bowels of the earth, in the very center of the earth, and by its way, it's still there, in the center of the earth, there was a place called hell. In the Old Testament, it was called Sheol. Sheol was the Hebrew word for hell. And the New Testament word was called Hades. Hades is the same word basically as Sheol, except it's the Greek word for hell. And, of course, hell is the English word. So we have the Hebrew word, we have the Greek word, and we have the English word, and it's all the same place. It's right in the center of the earth. And the Bible tells us that it was divided into two compartments, or two spaces. I think one was above the other, simply from the context of it, because when the rich man died, it says, And hell he lifted up his eyes, and could see Abraham afar off. So he obviously was looking up, so that means he was below in a compartment where he was being tormented by the flame. You can read it. You can read it right here in the Bible, in the passage. In hell he lifted up his eyes, being in torments, and he could look across that gulf that had been fixed. So the two compartments was separated by a great gulf, so that those that were in this place of torment that died without Christ... And would be there throughout eternity just suffering and yelling and screaming for mercy, but no mercy would come. They had no way to escape that because they couldn't get out across that gulf into that upper compartment that's called the place of comfort or Abraham's bosom. Some call it paradise. And so on this side of the cross, if a man died and he didn't know Christ, he went into the place of torment, into the bowels of the earth. His soul is there. It's still there, by the way. You can go all the way back to the times of Adam. And the souls of men that died without faith in Jesus Christ, their souls are still there. Still crying for mercy. And the souls that went into that place of Abraham's bosom, why that's no longer there because on this side of the cross, once that Jesus died for the sins of all mankind... The Bible says that he ascended before he descended. So the Bible says that he went up into heaven and he sprinkled the mercy seat and he opened the doors of heaven and then he descended down into the bowels of the earth and led captivity captive. Meaning he went down into Abraham's bosom where there was a waiting place there of all the souls on the other side of the cross that were waiting so they could enter the place of heaven. And so the Bible says that Jesus went down into hell, but not the torment side, but to the place of comfort. And he said, now I've provided for the sins of man. You can come and follow me. And the Bible says that Jesus led them into to heaven. So now all the souls that die with Jesus Christ, your body still goes to the grave. It'll be buried out here in some cemetery. But your soul won't go to Abraham's bosom. It now, absent from the body, is to be present with the Lord. So now we get to go right straight into that third heaven. So the Bible tells us in the book of Isaiah that hell was enlarged, meaning that the place of torment then became the entire compartment. There was no need to separate the ones from the upper compartment from those in the lower compartment 
Now when a man dies, if he's lost, he goes right into the center of the earth. His soul enters into hell and he's in that place of torment. And the Bible says that the hell will continue to enlarge itself and enlarge itself. And it's a place of torment. If a man dies on this side of the cross and he accepts Jesus as his Savior, his soul, his body will go to the grave, but his soul will enter and be with Jesus Christ in heaven. Aren't you glad for that? That we don't even have to... We, we get to... You know, God said that He did away with that compartment. Hell enlarged itself. Now we get to go to heaven when we, we die. If we know the Lord's our Savior. So there was the place of comfort. And in that place of comfort, uh, which was Abraham's bosom, was uh, the good things. It says there was water there. There was mercy there. So when a man died... And uh, he had a place to go wait, await till Christ came and died on Calvary. He had mercy. He had grace. He had the love of God. He had water. He had the comfort of fellowship with all of those other saved souls that were waiting for Christ to come and die on Calvary to make it possible so all of them could be carried on up into heaven. Okay? If you entered into the place of torment that we read in the Bible that it was a place of anguish, a place of pain, a place of sorrow, a place of no mercy, no water, no comfort, no fellowship, no angels. By the way, you know what? Angels even went into Abraham's bosom. You say, wait wait a minute, where is that? Right there in your text, didn't you read it? The Bible says that when the beggar died, that the angels carried him into Abraham's bosom. So they had to taken his soul. I mean, I can see them going next to the gate there where he must have died by the rich man's gate. And God said, there's one of my children. Go down there and get him. Took his soul and they took him right to Abraham and placed him in Abraham's bosom. And angels left that place. But I believe that angels carry the souls of God's children to that place of comfort. I kind of think he still might do that. If he did that on this side of Calvary, wouldn't you think that maybe when you die, that angels might come and take a saved man's soul and take it up to heaven? God would say, another one of my children have died. Go get his soul. And we're carried by the angels up into heaven. It's what I believe. Now, I want you to notice some things about this place of torment. And I've entitled the message this morning, The Torments of an Unsaved Man. The Torments of of an unsaved man. It says he was in a place of torments. Well, what was tormenting him? What was being such a torment upon the unsaved man? When an unsaved man dies without Christ, and by the way, we have people in our, that come to, maybe comes to this church, that comes off the streets, or they're invited. They may not be saved. We try to give them the gospel so they can be saved, so that they don't die and go to this place of torment. We have them come into our church as well. And I've seen people fold their arms, mock, laugh, jeer, just stand there and go, I don't even believe that stuff. I'll never come back to a church like this. Preach about hell. I thought I was going to be encouraged. Uh, we've had that happen at our church. Unfortunately, they don't want to hear the reality of a place that God is trying to save them from. You know why Jesus came to die on the cross of Calvary? To save you from going to hell. Because it was not created for us. It was created for the devil and his angels. But God said, if you die without me, you die in your sins. And you'll enter that place where I've created for the devils and his angels. 
We know the devil and his angels are going to go there. So I want you to notice a few things. Look at verse number 23. Uh, This place of torment says, And in hell he, the rich man, lifted up his eyes, being in torments, plural, and seeth Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus, that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I'm tormented in this flame. Now, one of the things that I'm completely convinced of is one of the torments of an unsaved man when he goes down into hell is going to be the absence of any fellowship. Not going to be any fellowship there. I think that one of the things he could see is that all the saints were having fellowship and comfort and water and mercy, and they were enjoying that place that God created for the saved. But there was nobody being in fellowship down there. You know, when I was a lost guy, before I went into the military in Vietnam, I, I, my, I wasn't a Christian. I didn't come from a Christian family at all. One saved. And my attitude was that, you know, if I lived better than I lived bad, that God would weigh the good from the bad and I'd get to go to heaven. Well, that's not in the Bible. That's just my philosophy. A lot of people buy into that philosophy. And so... I didn't even believe there was a hell. I just thought, ah, that's a bunch of Baptist, that's a bunch of church teaching and so forth. I don't even believe that stuff. And so, you know, my attitude about it was I didn't believe there was such a thing. My attitude was that if I do die and go to hell, I'll go there with all my buddies and we'll just have a big beer bust and we'll just have a great time together. How stupid is that? The Bible, you ain't going to have any fellowship in a place of torment. No, there's no grassers or beer bust or... Or whatever the case might be. I could picture myself as a kid uh, when I wasn't saved. And they, I'd go to Sunday school church and Sunday schools and they would talk about this kind of stuff. I'd go home and think about what are the people doing down in hell. They must be shoveling coal and throwing it in the furnace. And shoveling coal and throwing it in the furnace. Where does that come from? Stupidity. God doesn't need us to keep the fire stoked. <laughs> God has a flame there that will burn throughout all eternity. There ain't no coal down there. We're not standing there going, hey, give me a break. You shovel a while. We're not talking to each other when we're in hell if we're unsaved. No, we're, we're gnashing our teeth. We're grinding. We're, we're crying out, oh God, help me. Send somebody to give me some water. I'm tormented in this flame. That's the way hell's going to be. You're not going to have time to talk to the guy next to you. In fact, I don't even believe you can see him. According to the Bible, it's a place of darkness as well, even though there's a flame there. And so it's a, it, it, there's no fellowship. Uh, he, the, folks, this, this rich man is not there alone, but he feels he's there alone. Uh, he's separated from others. He's separated from God. He's separated from everything. He, he's consumed with grief and tears and anguish and wailing. It's a horrible place. Why would you want to die without Christ and go to such a place when God... So loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth on Him should not perish, but have everlasting life, where you could go to heaven. It's a, it's a place of sorrow where there's no love, no compassion, no mercy, no comfort. No one can come and help you. Secondly, look at verse number 24. He's not only tormented by the fact that he's got nobody there where he's at to help him out because there's no fellowship. But the Bible says that he's tormented in this flame. Now, there's fire there. Well, I don't really think that means fire. 
I think that's just kind of a, a symbol of something. No, no, no. There's fire there. It's a flame. I think this guy knows the difference between a flame and what's not a flame. He's tormented in the flame. You say, what kind of fire could consume or, or could burn a person and not consume him? We don't know of any kind of fire like that. Fires usually burn up things. You start a fire, it, 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 it burns the wood, it burns the building down. You've seen fires that consume. That's not the kind of fire that's in hell. You remember in the Old Testament when Moses was in the wilderness there with the sheep and Jethro, and he sees a, he sees a burning bush on the side of the hill, and he kind of wonders why the bush isn't being consumed. But he can see the flame. So he goes over and he climbs up the hill and he approaches this burning bush. He can feel the heat coming off the bush, but the bush is not being consumed. And suddenly he hears a voice from heaven that says, Hey, take off your shoes and bow yourself down for you're on holy ground. And the voice of God spoke out of the flame and called Moses to go and deliver the children of Israel out of bondage. Remember that story in the Bible? Well, I believe that the same flame that was in that bush, that was not consuming the bush, but was giving off the heat that God sent is the exact same kind of flame that's down in hell. It burns, it's hot, it can burn you, it can be painful, but it can't consume you. The Bible says you're going to be there forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever throughout all eternity. Well, then it's not the kind of flame that can consume something or you wouldn't be there for all eternity. You'd be consumed by the flame. No, the rich man in Luke chapter number 16 is still there today, 2,000 and some years later. His soul is still in torment. He can't get out of that place. He screams for mercy. He's asking for water. He's feeling the torment of the flame, but he can't escape it. And he's still there today. And if God tarries his coming another hundred years... That rich man will still be there. You may die tomorrow, and if you die without Christ, you'll join the rich man in this exact place. No fellowship, cut off, separated from God, and in torments of a flame. Begging for mercy, but no mercy. You know when God's giving you mercy? Right now. You want God's mercy? Accept it right now. Because he's giving you all the mercy he can to try to save you from such a place. You say, well, what kind of a God would be a God that would send people to hell? God doesn't send anybody to hell. Your rejection of his mercy and grace sends you to hell. You're being, you're, you're choosing, you're, you're making the choice. God said, hey, there's a heaven, there's a hell. I've come to make it possible for you to go to heaven. All you gotta do is put your faith in me, the Lord Jesus Christ, and I'll save your soul. I'll write your name in the Lamb's Book of Life. When you die, you'll be carried by the angels up into heaven. I don't want you to go to hell. I'm not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So God gives everyone an opportunity to be saved. But because we have an old nature, we live by the flesh many times and in the world. We've got our own philosophies. And, of course, there's the old devil and false religion and ideas out there that wants to take your soul right down into hell. So you buy into a bunch of garbage rather than accept what the Bible says. And a lot of people just say, ah, I don't believe that stuff. You'll believe it the day you die. If you're not a believer now, you'll believe it then. Everybody, 
Everybody that's in hell and torments believes it now. Everybody. So it, there's a flame that's there, and they're going to burn forever and ever. I don't have the time to take you to the book of Revelation. Uh, but in Revelation 20, if you want to write the text down and look it up on your own, in Revelation 20, verses 1 to 3, and then verses 7 to 10, you'll find that when he takes and casts the false prophet and the beast into the, the lake of fire, it says that they're there a thousand years. And then when he casts Satan in there, it says that the beast and the false prophet are still there. That's what it says. They're still there. After a thousand years, they're still there. They weren't consumed. They weren't annihilated. So there's the torment of no fellowship. There's the torment of no flame, uh, a, a, a torment of flame. But look at verse number 25. I think this has got to be a torment for an unsaved man. But Abraham said, son, remember, uh-oh, you're going to have your mind. You're going to have your memory when you're in hell. Remember that thou in thy lifetime receivest the good things and likewise Lazarus the evil things, but now he's comforted and thou art tormented. I put down the torment of flashbacks. Abraham's asking this rich man, do you remember in the previous life when you, when you were alive? Listen, you, you can't tell me that having the memory of your previous life isn't going to be a torment for a man in hell. You say, in what way? He'll remember when somebody knocked on his door and said, hey, I'd like to give you a tract and invite you to the church. Ah, get out of here. I'm not interested in your religion. He's got to remember that. That's got to be a torment to him. To be thinking, man, what if I'd have taken the track? What if I'd have gotten saved? Oh God, I wish now I'd have done that. Or when somebody come and called up and said, hey, we're having a missions conference at our church. Would you come? Nah, I'm not interested in that stuff. And they die without Christ. They've got to have the memory of that. Or people that have prayed for you and said, hey, I'm trying to give you the gospel salvation. I'm trying to show you how to be saved. Well, I'm not interested. I've got my own religion. They're going to remember those things. They're going to remember the opportunities that were given to them in this lifetime. He's got his memory. In fact, Abraham, hey, while you're down there screaming for water, and you're screaming for mercy, which I can't come and give it to you anyway because God has separated us with a great gulf and we have no way to get to you and you have no way to get out of there, so there's no mercy for you. Well then, hey, hey, you know. And he says, no, why don't you just remember in your lifetime? I can think of probably Lazarus as the old rich man would walk by and say, remove that guy off my gate. Lazarus might have said, Repent and be saved. He may have said that to him. I'm kind of thinking he did because isn't it interesting that when the rich man wants somebody to go and witness to his brothers, of all the people that's in Abraham's bosom, Abraham, Moses, Isaac, Jacob, he doesn't ask for any of them to go and witness to his brothers. Who is he asking to testify? Who is he asking to go down and talk to his brothers that are still upon the earth? He's asking for Lazarus. Why? Because I believe he knew that Lazarus was a testimony. I believe he knew that Lazarus knew how to witness. I think he knew that Lazarus knew how to tell others about Jesus Christ because he probably had times to tell him, but he didn't, he didn't receive it. He had too much money. He had too many things going for himself. Then he dies without Christ. And he's in hell with a memory and flashbacks of his life. Look at verse number 27. This might be the worst of all the torments. Not just the lack of fellowship, not just the flame, not just the flashbacks of his previous life, but in verse number 27, 
He, he's now got in his mind, okay, there's not going to be any mercy. Nobody's bringing me water here. Nobody can come to me. How am I going to get out of this place? I mean, can you imagine the, the fear, the screaming, the, tar, the, 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 the torment of knowing, I'm never going to get out of here. So what does he do? What does the lost man do? The lost man is doing then what he's doing right now. He's thinking about all the relatives he still has upon the earth that haven't died yet, that are yet to go into either heaven or hell. And he knows he's got five other brothers that are still upon the earth that need to hear the gospel. Look at it. He says, then he said, I pray thee, therefore, Father. Uh, and by the way, I believe he was Jewish because he wouldn't have called Abraham his father being a Gentile. So I believe this was a Jewish rich man. So he's, he can at least know that even though he's a Jew, you still have to be saved. You may be God's chosen people, but you still have to be saved by faith. Okay? And so he says, I pray thee, Father, that thou wouldest send him, that's Lazarus, to my father's house. For I have five brethren that he may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. What is he saying to Abraham? Please. If you can't help me, at least help my five brothers that are still upon the earth. They need the gospel. Have somebody go to them and tell them how to be saved. Send Lazarus. He'll tell them. And you know what Abraham says? No. Abraham, or he says to the rich man, we can't send him. Lazarus isn't going to go. Your brothers have Moses and the prophets. You know what he was really saying? Everybody's going to have to come the same way through the gospel. The Bible is the only... There's nothing to substitute the Scriptures. You know, people want a sign. Oh, Lord, show me some kind of... There are no signs. It's just the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so, Moses and the prophets speak about the Bible. And he's saying, no, your brothers have the Bible. And you know what he said to them? He said this right in the passage. Nay, Father Abraham. You know what he's saying? They aren't going to listen to the Bible. I didn't listen to the Bible. I didn't listen to the gospel. That ain't going to work. They'll never repent. Well, then there's not going to be any hope for them. He said, I've got a better way. We've always got a better way, don't we? I've got a better way. Send somebody that's already in hell, maybe even Lazarus, out of, the, out of Abraham's bosom. And, and, and when they see that Lazarus died and now he's back on the earth testifying, why, they'll see that a man has been resurrected from the dead and then he'll repent. My brothers will get saved. And he goes, no, they won't. <laughs> you know why? Because, and I know they, that wouldn't have happened because we already have had somebody that died and resurrected from the grave. And they still don't believe him. And he walked upon the earth for 40 days after his resurrection, telling people. And they still didn't believe. What is he saying? There's no substitute for the Bible. If a man's going to get saved, he has to hear. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. So what is a missions conference for? It's to give money so that we can send somebody with the Bible to a nation or to a community or a plant a church so we can go and knock on somebody's door and say, hey, we've got some tracts to give you out of the Bible. It'll tell you from Moses and the prophets how you can get saved. Hey, it's appointed unto man once to die, and you're going to die. And if you die without Christ, you're going to go to hell. And many, many of them may slam the door. But at least they would have been given an opportunity to hear 
And sometimes we get saved and we sit in our churches and we want it comfortable and we like it for ourselves. But hey, there's eight and a half million people in this New York City. And I'll guarantee you the majority of them probably don't know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. Our churches are not jammed full this morning all over New York City with the type of a church that's preaching the gospel. Most people are out doing whatever they do on Sunday, just like I was out doing whatever I do on Sunday when I wasn't saved. I'm telling you folks, listen to me. The purpose of missions is to take what only the world can hear to get saved. And if they don't hear this, nothing else is going to work for them. God's not going to write it in the sky. He's not going to send you a text. He's not going to tweet you. He's not going to mail you a letter. He's not going to call you on the phone. It's right here. This is it. This is what, this is what we get. Thank God. We have a Bible. It can't change. It's the same message that was preached to the rich man. It's the same message that we preach to people today. It's the same gospel. I got saved, I said, 48 years ago in the Philippine Islands, and they gave me the same gospel message that Lazarus received. And that Abraham and Isaac and all the saints in the Old Testament, they received the same basic truth and gospel. And it's the same message that's going to be preached no matter where we go. We never change the message. But it's the only hope they have. And so this morning, I'm simply trying to tell you, there's no substitute for the Bible. He said, no, no, Abraham, they, they, Abraham said, they have Moses and the prophet. Let them hear them. And he said, no, Father Abraham, but if one went unto them from the dead, they will repent. And he said unto them, uh-uh, if they do not hear Moses and the prophet, they won't listen to the Bible. They won't put their faith in the Bible. You know what he was saying? I'm going to paraphrase it. Nothing we can do for them. And nothing else. They'll die without. And I'll guarantee you this. If that man knew that his brothers wouldn't listen to the Bible, that had to be a torment. You know what's sad, folks? Listen to me. It breaks my heart. But what's sad is that lost people in hell have more of a burden for their families than Christians sitting in churches. People are in hell crying out. Saying, please, somebody send somebody to my family's house with the gospel so they don't have to come to this place of torment. And we sit in our churches trying to get us to give a little extra money to send the gospel, and we're trying to debate whether we can do it or not. How sad is that? That the lost man in hell that can't get out is crying, oh God, please send somebody to my family that's upon the earth that they might be saved. And then we're going to think about giving to missions. I tell you, you need to give to missions because it could save somebody's soul. And if all you do by giving to missions is it saves one person from entering this horrible place of torment, thank God for that. It could be your relative. It could be your family. Would you, would you think about giving to missions so somebody can take the gospel to somebody that's on their way to hell. It's a very real place. I'm going to ask you to stand with me this morning with your heads bowed and your eyes closed for just a few moments. I'm going to ask you a question. You've been saved. If you claim you're saved, when's the last time you gave a track to your neighbor, your boss, somebody at school, one of your children?
When's the last time you led anybody to Christ? Showed anybody how to be saved? When's the last time you gave any money to send somebody that said, Hey, God's called me to go and take the gospel to that neighborhood. Okay, you know what you ought to do then? You ought to say, Man, I'll give some money so you can go. They can represent you in a place that you won't go to. And they'll be able to win souls there, plant churches there. I know this has been a hard message to receive this morning. Folks, listen to me. This is real stuff. This is serious business. Let's get serious about giving the missions so that the gospel could be given out to people that need to be saved. Father, I pray this morning that we might not just read across Luke 16 as though it's just some fictional story in the Bible, but I'm so thankful for my soul That, Lord, when I read this, it it, it convicted me that I'm not saved. What if I go to that place? God, I don't want to go there. I don't want to die without you. I want to accept you as my Lord and Savior today. So, Lord, this passage was so paramount in leading me to come to Christ because I didn't want to die and go to hell. I wanted to die. When I died, I wanted to go to heaven. And I came to realize that if I don't believe the Bible, I won't be able to go to heaven. So I'm going to put my faith and my trust in the Bible, and in the Lord Jesus Christ. And because of that, you saved my soul and gave me such a peace within and a hope that when I die, I know I'm going to be carried by the angels into that place of the presence of our Savior. If there's someone here today that's not saved, oh God, please help them make that decision right now. We could open the Bible and show them in a moment's time how that they could have their name written in the Lamb's Book of Life and it never be blotted out. And when they died, the angels would bring their soul into heaven. Why wouldn't anyone want that? And if there are souls that are here and they're not saved, and they mock this message this morning and walk out, Lord, it could be that that may be the last opportunity they'll be given in this life, and they'll have to live with the memory, I had a chance to be saved, and now it's too late. So please, Lord, help us to make the decisions that we need to make. Christians need to come this morning and say, God, I've been reminded again of how real hell is, and I want you to help me to be a better witness. And we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. We're going to have an invitation, and an invitation or an altar call is to try to get people to make a decision based on the message. That's the reason why we preach. Preach for a decision. You're going to make a decision this morning. Everybody in here is going to make a decision. If you're saved already, you're going to make a decision to either stay the way you are, not be any better witness, not not increase your giving. That will be a decision. Or you'll be saved and say, you know what? I've been reminded that hell is real and I don't want my relatives to go there. And I want to help send somebody to preach the gospel. And so I'm going to give extra to missions. That'll be a decision. If you're not saved, you have the choice, the decision to either accept Christ or reject him this morning. And we're asking you to accept Him. It'll be the greatest, best decision you'll ever make in all your life to be saved. So you come as the Lord speaks to your heart this morning. Come. Would you? Come on.